Almost 50 years ago, when I began my journey in psychology, there were certain questions that I was trying to answer. And one of them was about the soul. What is the soul? And what survives after death, if anything does? What makes human beings different from everything else? These are the very questions that form what is called the hard problem of artificial intelligence. Scientists in the field of artificial intelligence like to look at two kinds of problems. One is called the hard problem and the soft problem. Let me quickly get the soft problem out of the way. The soft problem is all about how AI can solve problems like learning how to play a game of tic-tac-toe or chess or perhaps even the Chinese game of Go. Engineers tackling soft problems have to follow a structure. One, there must be a clearly definable problem. For example, how can a traveling salesman visit eight cities in the most optimal way? That's a definable problem. Then there must be constraints. For example, he cannot retrace his path or visit a particular city two times. There must be a method to solve. All of this makes no sense if there is no possible method. If the only way out is truly random, attempting to solve the problem is not a good idea. But here's the catch. A lot of the problems that we don't know how to solve, we consider them random. Perhaps there is a solution, we just don't know about it. So this is a bit of a problem, but again I'm saying, if you're sure that the problem doesn't have a rational answer, then AI cannot help you solve that either. Finally, there must be a clear indication of success. For example, the case is solved or you have finally arrived at a solution. And it's clearly recognizable as correct. So you must be able to say that this is the right solution and not a wrong answer. The solution can even be something that's related. For example, can AI solve this problem faster than a human being? Now, it's not a clear uh, way of answering that. For that, you have to recognize how fast the human being does. So, it could be a little complex, but it still should have a clear success indicator. Given the four conditions, we are getting increasingly good at applying AI to solve soft problems. The hard problems, on the other hand, are different. Usually, they do not fit the four criteria. They may have one or two of their criteria, but definitely not all four. For example, one success criteria is, can the system do what humans do? Is the system conscious? Does a robot truly feel emotions or is it merely mimicking the emotional responses? Pretending to be emotional. In short, can a robot have a soul? And if it does, should we feel guilty in killing a robot or owning one just to have sex with it? Do they deserve to have a say in human affairs? Uh, of electoral vote, can robots uh, become legislators, 
there's a whole set of questions there. In the Western world, we have built a cosmology where human beings are different from everything else. After all, didn't God create us in his own image? Wait a minute. Just who is us? The Jews? The white people? Or did he create Adam in his own image and then created Eve to be a companion? Perhaps, you know, like a pet. How about people of color? Was God white? When one person is born quadriplegic and the other is able-bodied, is the former a partial production, a defective product? Despite obvious problems, most of us experience ourselves as distinct from the environment that we live in. Translators of Eastern philosophies often call this notion the ego. Alan Watts says that most of us human beings are nothing but a skin-encapsulated ego. So let's take a closer look at some of the hard problems with artificial intelligence. Things that have bothered me since I began looking into this. The first question is, does AI act like human beings when solving problems? Or is it merely following a set of instructions that we have given it directly or indirectly? So how do we solve this question? The first part would be to say, can the system only solve problems that it has already encountered or can it solve new problems? Obviously, it could not have an instruction set for new problems. Unless, of course, it's able to adapt the set to the new problems. And that adaptation could be considered creativity, I suppose. So that's one way of looking at it. And the other way of looking at it is, is there a way that it can break rules if necessary? And we are all familiar with stories where there were the three rules of robotics and how a robot decides to break one rule for the sake of something else. So can it break the rules? These are some of the ways that we can say if it does these things, perhaps it's not entirely dependent on the set of instructions that is being given to it. Again, it's not an easy thing to answer because instructions are never this or that. There are a whole set of instructions and given the circumstances, an artificial intelligence system has determined which to follow and which to abandon. Okay, let's try another part. Let's ask the question of, does artificial intelligence exhibit creativity? Can it produce something new? Can it create art or music? And if it does, does the music sound mechanical and not artistic? I'm sure you've heard this, right? You've heard, oh, AI-generated music is mechanical and repetitive. I wonder. I know a lot of artists who create mechanical and repetitive music. Yes, there are human errors and it's not exactly the same. But these errors are also easy to build into uh, art created by artificial intelligence. Here's the next problem. 
can artificial intelligence recognize human emotions or does it just look at the face what does recognition mean in this situation when you understand my pain it means that you feel part of that pain that's empathetic empathetic understanding do you have empathetic understanding can artificial intelligence really understand my pain or is it merely carrying out a set of instructions to mimic emotions and of course the corollary part of that is can you fall in love with a machine in 1950 alan turing decided to put this whole thing to a test and here is how it is of course i'm paraphrasing it and not using his own example or his own language but here's photos supposing there are two pieces of music one is created by artificial intelligence and the other is created by a musician and let's have an audience and if you like let's have an eclectic audience of normal people computer scientists and musicians let's have an eclectic audience and just by listening to the music can you tell which one is made by human and which is made by a robot this is getting increasingly difficult to do and at some point it becomes statistically impossible to tell the difference between this and that and according to alan turing that is the point at which you can say that the artificial intelligence is truly created or is human like or is human if you want to call it so this is the turing test i think we've already passed the turing test in many many areas problem solving artificial intelligence in fear of creativity and with the launch of new graphic programs new text writing algorithms that create new text from some keywords all of these things make it increasingly difficult to tell the difference between something created by a human and something created by a machine all right so if this is the case of creativity what about emotions way back in 1964 1950 was when alan turing got out the turing test and joseph weizenbaum in 64 said that if it's a trivial problem to convince people that a machine is alive and he devised what is called the eliza program and what the eliza program does is it's a question answer box so you can ask it a question and it will give you an answer how long does it take for you to recognize this is a machine that you're talking to instead of a human being we've seen this in the movie blade runner where harrison ford questions rachel to see whether she is a human being or an android and he has a machine that looks at her pupillary dilation her biological changes as he asks emotionally sensitive questions but remember all of this can easily be made up and weissenbaum says it is trivial to get you for example you're talking to somebody online in a chat box 
do you know whether you're talking to a human being or whether you're talking to a machine in fact weizenbaum's program was so successful that across the country people would come in early to work so they can pour their hearts out to eliza who would empathize potent would empathize because it's a small program that mimics empathy so in short we can safely say that we have now moved beyond the test of creativity and the test of test of emotions of course if you know that you're talking to a robot you may not fall in love you may feel that it's mechanical but if you know that you're talking to a human being the same responses can elicit love so now that we've put eliza and turin test behind us let's move on and say okay so can ai truly experience the world does it have qualia that's qualia is the word that philosophers use to talk about my experiential world not the world that exists out there but the world that i see and experience that is called qualia how do we know that somebody is conscious when i am talking to you how do i know you're conscious actually i don't and philosophers say that that's a dangerous statement to make because you end up in a dead end called solipsism because once i say that i have no proof that you are there question finally ends up in saying what if this entire universe this birth this conversation everything that i'm doing what if it's all just a simulation what if it's all just a dream that i'm having so that is a dangerous place because it's a dead end there's no way we can go beyond that so we we step aside we don't use solipsism and i would say that you are conscious as much as i am conscious how do i know this well you seem to be talking the same language you seem to be discussing things in the same way you seem to jump when when i prick you with a pin um and all of these similarities make me attribute remember consciousness is an attribution i attribute feelings to and therefore i think that you are a human being just like me so now here's where it gets interesting let's take a step back let's move away from western cosmology and take a look at another alternative view of things forget about the fact that you were created in god's own image by god specially to rule over the world forget all of that and let's let's take things as they are and here's the questions that we are asking one can it do complex data analysis and problem solving second can it create art third can you fall in love with it and fourth does it have quality and i'm going to look at one two three four five different things we ask each of those the same question first let's ask a rock you know there's a rock that is there and let's ask that rock can it do complex data and problem solving uh it would be a far fetched thing can it create art 
Now, well, it depends. For example, many temples have um, a piece of rock which is the deity or which represents the deity. And in many people's minds, that deity is itself God. So people would say that that rock is creating things through me. When I go in front of the rock, a music or a song appears in my mind, given to me by that rock. But I know it's a far-fetched thing. Now the question is, can you fall in love with it? Absolutely yes. Just look at the diamond ring on your finger or on your fiance's finger and see whether you can fall in love with that. Absolutely you can fall in love with a rock. Um, does it experience the world all year? I'm going to put a question mark there. Now let's go to a tree or plant. Does it do complex data and problem solving? Yes, it does. It is able to combine nutrients from the soil and the air to create its body structure. And it cleans the air and all of that. Does it do complex data problem solving? Yes, it does. Can it create art? Now, um, if you go to uh, many Japanese artists, they will tell you that trees are beautiful and it is art. Whereas a Western person will tell you that art is what an artist makes of the tree. So it is not the tree itself that is art, but it is the way it is painted, the way it is depicted. So art does not reside in the tree, art resides in the artist's mind. Um, uh, not so easy to say because uh, sometimes artists shape a tree into a work of art and sometimes trees are beautiful and it's very difficult for me to say that somehow a piece of beautiful piece of nature is not art perhaps what's lacking there is the intention of the artist who's to say that there is no intention in uh, nature that's another long shot can you fall in love with a tree? Absolutely. Can, does a tree have qualia? It gets a little complicated here because there have been some reports that say that uh, trees respond to their to the love and care or to being or are afraid to others. There are people who talk about trees communicating with each other through sound. Uh, and of course, there are people who say that uh, that fungi the mycelium uh, that runs underground forms the network that connects trees together. So, um, do they communicate with each other? Is there qualia in the sense of does it respond to humans? Does it respond to love, care? I think most people would agree that a tree does. Uh, can a tree speak to you? Uh, some people say yes, some people say no. And those of you who've seen the movie Avatar knows that you can speak to a tree if you. And of course, it's a movie; it's not science. But we're we're looking at these questions and seeing how do we answer them in the context of 
pursuits of art nowadays are true. Let's now move on to a very interesting category, which is your pet dog or cat. First, does your pet dog or cat do complex data and problem solving? Absolutely. Why do we have to go to pet dog and cat? The slime mold, a single cellular organism or a colony, have demonstrated the ability to analyze complex data and solve problems. So, can a cat or a dog do it? Absolutely it can. So that way it is it has a soul. Can it create art? Now we're getting into difficult position because can whatever a dog or cat create uh, until it it resembles a human creation, can we call it art? So are we really using art in an inverse way, saying that art is art only if made by human beings? And then we look at saying, look, uh, can machines create art? Because then if that is the case, by definition, we are saying that they can't. So uh, I'm going to put the question mark there saying, can a pet create art? But I don't know if anybody has seen a trained animal, dog or cat, you could see a lot of artistry work there. Can you fall in love with it? Absolutely. You can fall in love with your pet like you would fall in love with your own child. Uh, there have been uh, people who have given a, a pet wealth in terms of the will that, that they've left behind. All their assets are given to the pet. So definitely you can fall in love with, with a cat or a dog. Now comes the difficult question of quality. Pet lovers all around the world will tell you that a pet watches you, understands you, responds to you. Others may not agree so much. So it's a subjective judgment and that's where the problem of qualia lies because we have no way of proving or disproving the presence of qualia. There's no way to test whether qualia is present or not in a particular situation. Uh, that's for a pet dog or cat. Then we move on to the question of robot. Can it do complex data and problem solving? Absolutely, that's what computers were invented for, right? Can it create art? It is creating art around the world. Can you fall in love with a machine? I think you can. And um, a, a, a recent movie called Her is an example. And if you want a real life example, all you've got to do is to go back in time to the mid-60s and see how people fell in love with a very simple thing that Weizenbaum made. In fact, Weizenbaum made it to say that no machine can be like a human being. But many people fell in love with it. Does a, what artificial intelligence system have qualia? Or does it see the world the way we see it? Question, does it have to? What about a bat? A bat who doesn't have good eyesight. It sees the world through echolocation. Does the bat see the world that we see? Why a bat? Does your friend 
see the world the news so just what is polio and that seems to be increasingly difficult to answer so in conclusion here's what i'm going to suggest the consciousness question of are machines conscious is actually a problem because we have no definition for what that means it's based on the very idea that human beings have to be special they have to be different what if consciousness is not just human brain what if consciousness is everywhere how would that change our perception of the world and that's where i'm going to leave you today thank you